All right, good morning. My name is Dwayne Spear, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is September the 4th, and we are working our way still through the book of Acts, and we broke into Acts chapter number 18 the other day. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Acts chapter number 18. Um, wow, another week down into a new month. <laughs> Leaves are already beginning to change here in Central Virginia, um, but yesterday we got up to 93 degrees. So, um, uh, but the evenings are dropping down into the 60s, so it's starting to get cooler. Uh, so fall is upon us, I guess. A couple weeks out. So, um, one of the nice things about Central Virginia is the fact that there are four distinct seasons uh, where I've lived for the past. 20 years of my life down in South Texas and South America, it's just hot and hotter. Uh, so it feels nice to actually have a fall and even a winter. They're not that bad at all. They come and go. This too shall pass. But um, anyway, working our way through uh, Acts. Uh, didn't get that far yesterday, just went over three verses. And I really, I'm not, like, I, like you, I've told you guys before, I'm not that far ahead of you at all. I'm... I'm studying as I go. Uh, this is a great way to force me to stay in the Word myself. Do a lot more reading, a lot more comparing um, than anything. Um, but uh, and then the stuff that kind of sticks ends up in my notes. So, uh, but I can assure you, there's a lot more in here that <laughs> doesn't always land in the notes. But uh, you know what that you know how that is. Um, so Acts chapter number eighteen. Okay, we uh, uh, yesterday we looked in verse number one, just for a little context here. And after these things departed, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Uh, you remember Paul started out on this little journey in Thessalonica, went to the synagogue of the Jews, began to reason. Uh, of course, the, there were some unbelieving Jews that stirred him up. He basically, you know, fled from Thessalonica, came into Berea. Uh, those were more noble Jews, if you will, or more noble period. They they looked into the scriptures, and of course, Paul is uh, trying to convince them that Jesus was indeed the Christ, that he must needs have suffered. And of course, the only way he could have done that is using the Old Testament scriptures, going back and looking at the prophecies in regards to you know, probably as far back as Genesis chapter 3, you know, verse number 15 with what's called um, the Proto-Evangelium, uh, which is um, in regards to um, the seed of the woman who would, uh, who would bruise the heel and he would crush his head. So it probably went back that far. And then following that, what many commentators refer to as the scarlet thread of redemption that that weaves its way through the Old Testament to the Messiah. So no doubt the Apostle Paul being well taught in scriptures, having said at the feet of Gamaliel, uh, definitely a student of the word, was, um, you know, di disputing, as the King James says, um, trying to convince them of who Jesus was. Um, and of course, once he arrives in Corinth, um, he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded that all the Jews depart uh, from Rome. 
Um, and then notice it says in verse number three, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Um, here we get a glimpse into what Paul, um, what his trade was, what he was taught. It was handed down to him from his father and probably his father's father, and he was a tent maker. You know, of course, uh, many people in that part of the world are nomadic, and um, you know they moved about in tents. No doubt, he also made um, Roman tents for the soldiers who who carried their tents around. Even to this day, military. When I was in the Marine Corps, we carried around what we called a hooch, which is two um, pieces uh, that you would button together down the middle. Uh, many times, one Marine would carry one half and, the, and you find another marine he's all he's got the other half so you put it together and you end up with a tent a two-man tent um so he was a tent maker um and of course the term tent maker is still used today of course it's some of that christianese that a lot of people don't understand but it's referring to someone who doesn't make his full living off of ministry, being paid full-time ministry. And that's probably the vast majority of people in ministry. They don't live 100% off the ministry. They do other things, like Paul made tents. Well, uh, we call those guys tent makers. And then notice in verse number four, and this is some new material here. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So again, we find um, him in the synagogue every Sabbath, and bear in mind, Sabbath is Saturday, uh, persuading both the Jews and the Greeks. You know, the Greeks were allowed, as we've established, into, into the synagogue. And obviously, these were Greeks who were interested uh, in, in Judaism, or they wouldn't have been there. Um, which brings the question, why does the church worship on Sunday and not Saturday today? Um you know, because we don't, the only people that worship on Saturday today are, are Jews and Seventh-day Adventists. Um, of course, uh, the Jews have not uh, accepted the Messiah, so therefore the resurrection doesn't mean much to them, at least the, the Jews that still um, go to the synagogues. And, of course, there are Messianic Jews, but, um, but uh, for the most part, they've rejected the Messiah, so the resurrection doesn't mean that much. And then, of course, Seventh-day Adventists that place themselves under the law. Um, they're, they're not walking in grace at all. Um, but the Sabbath uh, commemorates, there's two things that I came up with, and I've heard all kinds of stuff, but the Sabbath commemorates God's creation and God's provision uh, to the Jew. Uh, it was given to Israel under, under the law. Thou shalt uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, um, because in that day God had rested from his creation and his provision. In Exodus thirty-one sixteen, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So... It's just a day of rest, resting and all that God has done, all that God has given, uh, remembering God's goodness. And, of course, it was given under the law to 
uh, the nation of Israel. And then also Sunday, on the other hand, commemorates the grace in that Christ rose from the dead on that day. Um, in Luke 24, verse number 1, um, now upon the first day of the week, uh, the first day of the week, the Sabbath day is obviously the Sabbath. The first day would be Sunday. Uh, very early in the morning they came into the sepulcher, uh, bringing the spices they had prepared and certain others with them. So Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. So that's how we commemorate that. Um, and it was the day the early church gathered. Um, Paul, um, Peter, or Paul, you constantly see him referring to the first day of the week. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 2, upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, for there is there be no gatherings when I come. So um, Paul, obviously the early churches that Paul established gathered on the first day of the week. Um, so um, the first um, commemorates God's creation, the Sabbath, while the second commemorates the Lord's resurrection. Um, Kevin Sadler wrote that the Sabbath speaks of rest after work and relates to law and the work required by those under the law in law keeping. With the works, observation of feasts and sacrifices that Israel was commanded to continually to do continually by faith, the Sabbath foreshadows the rest that Israel will enjoy in her end times, in her millennial rest within the earthly kingdom. So I found that interesting. The Sabbath speaks of the rest um, that relates to the law and the work that they did under the law. It foreshadows, it looks forward uh, to the rest that Israel will have in the millennial earthly kingdom. And then he mentions Sunday worship on the first day of the week speaks to a rest that takes place before work and relates to grace and the rest we, the body of Christ, have in Christ and his finished work right up front. In other words, we don't have to do the works like Israel had to. Having trusted that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again, we are complete in him now. So we have that rest now. They're looking forward to that rest. We are already walking in that rest as the body of Christ. Salvation is a gift that we receive the moment we believe. And it's not of work. So what he's saying is while the Jews look forward to that rest um, from the law, we already are already in that rest now. Because we are not under the law. I, I never thought of it that way, but, but it's very true. For most working people, our work week follows after the first day of the week, referring to Monday. And under grace, because we are saved, works follow out of joy and gratitude for our accomplished salvation that we already have in Christ. Um, so... It, uh, I guess if you could uh, make a cliff note out of that, the Jew 
is in the law and is looking forward to to rest. We are in rest, and we are uh, our works have nothing to do with our rest. We have our rest, but because we have our rest, we do the works that Christ has set before us. Um, there's a freedom in that. Uh, one is for salvation, and one is because of salvation, if you will. So I found that interesting. Uh, and again, we see that Paul try, Paul's tried and true method was to reason and persuade. Um, Paul, if you read his writings, he was definitely kind of like a lawyer in the way he was a linear thinker. Uh, he he really built precept upon precept. He really went back and began to fill in the blanks. He began to show how that Christ was indeed uh, the Messiah. He, in his writings, would always uh, build a case, and then he would say, therefore, this is what should happen because of that. Paul was very good at that. He was very good at laying out information he is very good at reasoning and persuading, and that's what Paul did very, very well. Uh, most of us don't think like that. Most of us are just, you know, all over the place. But he was able to lay it out, you know, and, and once he had established his point, he would say, therefore, you know, this is what we need to do in Lua. That word, therefore, literally means since, since this has been established. This is what we should be doing now. So Paul was very good at reasoning and persuading. Uh, that is all we can do today. You know, all we can do is reason and persuade people. Um, and some will listen uh, today. Others will listen tomorrow. And others may never listen at all. You know, but my accountability to God is simply to try is to lay it out, and what they do with it is up to them. So I, I think I live my whole life, for the most part, reasoning and persuading people. When I'm talking to an unsaved man, I'm, I'm talking about Christ, the goodness of Christ, um, showing who he was and why he came and what that means for us today. Uh, to a believer, I am laying out the scriptures, trying to disciple them, to get them to go deeper. The church in America is like a mile wide and a quarter of an inch deep. Um, it's shallow. Uh, I love the, the college kids that I get the opportunity to minister to, but my heart goes out to them because they are so ignorant of Scripture. They are so ignorant of just basic Bible doctrines. Uh, there, there's no underpinning to their faith. They are simply moving on what they have been taught and emotion for the most part. And that is why so many of them fall away from the church after they get into college because they're no longer around their parents and another authority figure is teaching them or questioning what they have been taught and the emotion goes away, and they struggle. Our faith is not built on those things. Our faith is built 
on on the knowledge of Scripture. Our faith is built upon the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more I know the Word of God, the more faith I'm going to have. The less, on the other hand, I know of the Word of God, the less faith I'm going to have. So when, when I know the Word and the trial, the questioning comes, my faith is tried, and then it is proven, and then I am strengthened. You know, the Bible talks about how we live from faith to faith. We do live from faith to faith. My faith today is stronger than my faith yesterday, and my faith tomorrow, Lord willing, will be stronger than my faith today. But that comes as I know the Word of God. Every revival in the history of man is around a return to the clear teaching of the Word of God. And the less we know of the Word, the less our faith is going to be. And that's where we are today. Uh, we simply are not teaching the Word of God. We're not discipling people. We're not, we're not reasoning. We're not persuading. We're not disputing um, against the teachings of this world. I mean, it's so easy just to go to the Bible and say, show me what God thinks about this. Because really, in the end, it doesn't matter what you think about it or what I think about it or what they think about it. What does God think about this? What does God think about alternative lifestyles? You know, what does God think about uh, the unborn? What does God, um, you know, think about um, social justice, you know, uh, racial reconciliation, all those things? Is it in the Bible? Is it addressed? I mean, that's where we need to go first, not last, you know, um, and I just, you know, our underpinnings is in the Word of God. And the more we know of the Word, the stronger believers we're going to be. The less we know of the Word, the weaker, ineffective believers we're going to be. Um, so you and I do the same thing today. We reason and we persuade some more than others. But I found the only way your faith is going to be going to grow is to have your faith tested. Um, you know, as I've been going down this journey with uh, mid-acts, if you will, every once in a while, I'll hit something that totally brings it into question. And I'm like, oh, okay, what am I not seeing here? <laughs> you know, let's, let's begin to study. I mean, a faith unquestioned is no faith at all. A faith unchallenged is no faith at all. We should seek that challenge. We should seek those questions because that is how our faith is going to grow. Um, now notice in verse number five, and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So again, now we see Silas and Timothy, they're catching up with him. Remember, he left them um, back in Acts chapter 17, verse number 10. When he was fleeing from Berea, <laughs> he told uh, Paul and Silas to catch up with him. I mean, Paul, he, he told Timothy and Silas to catch up with him. And here they are, they're catching up with him. And as such, he is pressed in the spirit. Now, that word pressed in the spirit, um, the King James does not 
capitalize the spirit. The New King James does. Um, so it says in verse 5, they were pressed in the spirit there. The New King James um, capitalizes spirit, um, referring to deity, the Holy Spirit. But in the end, it, other translations don't even translate it with the word spirit. And NAS just says, but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word. Um, the NIV, Paul and Silas came from Macedonia, and Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. Um, in the end, it means that he was pressed, he was encouraged to teach the word of God. You know, and that's what the world needs. The world needs the word of God. We don't need any more politics. Um, you know, and I, I have to rein myself in um, <laughs> on social media um, because politics isn't going to change anybody. It's only the word of God that's going to change a person. Um, and we need to get into the word and we need to share the word. So only the King James um translates its spirit. Uh, New King capitalizes spirit, but the others don't even use it. But it means that he is pressed, he is encouraged, which obviously was a work of the spirit, um, to, uh, to teach the word of God. And that's my response these days. When I see everything is happening around us, my first inclination is not to go join uh, the local Republican caucus that's not my first inclination. My first inclination is to teach the Word of God. That's what's wrong with America. America has forsaken God. The church in America doesn't, doesn't, for the most part, even know God, so they have forsaken Him. And I can only do... I had a friend one time, Fidel Gomez was his name. He passed away years ago. Uh, he said, uh, we're all pulling on the same net you pull your side, and, and I'll pull mine. Um, all we can do is pull our side of the net. The only thing I can affect is my part of the net, and I encourage you to do the same. And then notice he says, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. This is the first time that Paul purposely abandoned the synagogue. Uh, he just walked away um, because they opposed themselves. In other words, they were fighting against what was meant for their good. They were literally opposing themselves. It speaks to um, wanting less than what we were going to get. Uh, they were opposing the blessings. They were opposing uh, what Paul was sharing with them, and they blasphemed. And that word blaspheme means to put off, to push away. They pushed away the truth, therefore opposing what they could have had, what they would have, could have, should have had. Um, and Paul walked away, and he shook his raiment, which was a Middle Eastern way of saying, I'm done with you. It's shaking like shaking the dust off your feet. It's just saying, you know what? I'm, forget this. I'm walking away. Uh, your blood be on your own heads. Uh, in other words, you're going to be accountable for your own decisions. I've already shared 
everything God told me to share with you. And that's all we can do is just walk away. I don't think we have to do it in such dramatic fashion. <laughs> I would like to do it that way sometimes, but you know, some, you know, it's it's their own responsibility. Once you've shared, my obligation is to show you the truth and try to lead you to the truth, but I can't make you take the truth. Um, so Paul uh, walks away at this point. Now, he, he didn't abandon the synagogue. I mean, um, because in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul continued to go into the synagogues. But this one, he walked away. And he departed thence, and he entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. That literally means like next door, attached. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. God still brought the glory. Uh, but, you know, Paul left that synagogue. He went to another man's house, one that did worship God. And many still believed. Justice was a Gentile that worshiped God, but apparently had not converted to Judaism. Uh, it is, I believe, this is the founding of the church of Corinth, who he would later write to in First and Second Corinthians. Different study, but Paul wrote at least four letters to the Corinthians, uh, and two of them were left around to be canonized. Um, obviously, that meant the other two. Um, God didn't deem that they should be in our collection of 66 books for whatever reason. But Paul would later write to this church of Corinth. So he founded a church. Even though he walked out of the synagogue, and, you know, he's got justice, he's got Crispus, and many hearing believed and were baptized. So there were those who did indeed come to the faith as a result of Paul's preaching. So. All right, guys. Well, God bless you. Today is Friday, and uh, the next time I see you will be Sunday morning, 9 o'clock. Uh, and then I'm heading to Tennessee. I'm going to meet my son over there. Uh, going halfway around Johnson City, Greenville, Tennessee. Um, but um, at 9 o'clock, we'll get together and we'll put all this together. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Mac. God bless you, brother. We got to catch up. You and Heather, we got to catch up. And Jose, God bless you, Jose. Um, I hope you guys are learning. The Lord knows I am. <laughs> and I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Remember, he loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for our good.